Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. all know how much I'm into the Australian death metal scene, and there's this great band from Brisbane that was founded after the dissolution of the classic death metal act, Cadaverine. You guys, I don't need to tell you this. And that band I'm referring to is named Disentomb. And we listen to them all the time, right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Spaceships go vroom, vroom, boom, boom, you're in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. (laughs) I am Pete. <laughs> You're so thrown by that intro, you yeah. completely uh, forgot You go high, I go low, Alex. Yeah. That's how it works. I, well, I appreciate it because I was like, oh, something about spaceships. What could it do about spaceships? And uh, you nailed it. Great job, buddy. <laughs> great job, you, on the the Brisbane, Australia um, hardcore scene. Hey, that's great. Well, I think we could wrap the podcast here. We pretty much covered Killed it. it. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 2, Episode 6, Space Patrol, where a lot of stuff goes down, and Pete was so upset, Oof. he had to go buy himself a soft pretzel to feel better after the end of this episode. I well, wait, actually, uh, actually, Alex, I think it was more uh, sort of a in-case-of-fire-break-glass situation with this pretzel. <laughs> like, you had yeah. it on hand, and That's you were right. like, fuck, I need this pretzel. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, you know, when you buy a soft pretzel from Wawa, you get two. You get two in the bag. So I was hanging on to the second one for a special occasion, and it really saved my ass in this situation. Like a a romantic occasion? Walk me through how this works. You you keep one pretzel in case things are getting hot and heavy at home. Yeah, can I get the the lover's pretzels, please? Yeah. Oh, that's They're all entwined. <laughs> well, in this episode, brief bit of recap, if it's been a while since you've watched the episode. So dealing with the huge fallout at the end of the episode where Dorothy finally made a wish from the candle maker. Jane is covered in candle wax. The underground is in disarray and everybody is dealing with that. And in the middle of Niles... Pete, you had to be happy about this. Niles did roll around looking for Dorothy quite a bit at the beginning of this yeah. episode. He's uh, trying. In, in the middle of all of this, some old astronauts that he had sent back up into space before Larry was sent into space uh, come back to visit Doom Manor. Um, while that's going on, Dorothy steals their spaceship, goes to uh, make-believe planet that I think was supposed to be the moon or something like that. I, some I, was, I have so many questions. I thought <laughs> yeah. it was the moon and then it wasn't. Or is the side of the moon we haven't seen? 
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. And Niles takes Cliff in a goat-powered spaceship to go get her back. He Cliff does manage to bond with Dorothy for the first time ever, does manage to convince her to come back. But by the end of the episode, Cliff has been expunged, expelled out into space. So Rip Cliff, that's it for him on the show. Meanwhile, back on Earth, Larry finds out that the... A cosmonaut of these three astronauts has a negative spirit of her own and was actually able to bond with the negative spirit and have a really happy, fun time up there. After all Peace. these years, he learns a lot of lessons from this cosmonaut and ultimately heads in an opposite direction by the end. Meanwhile, Rita is finding out just what's going on with the play with the Cloverton players. Turns out they're doing a our version town. of Our Town. Our Town. Our Town. Mm-hmm which is based on the events of the beginning of the first season of Doom Patrol with the Blob Attack. So lots to unpack there. And finally, we got Cyborg, who is still off on his own with Ronnie, but discovers some surprising information about the implants that she got. They did, in fact, come from both Niles Calder and his own dad, Silas Stone. And so he tries to track that down as that plot gets deeper and more interesting. So... That all said, Pete, why don't we turn to you first, since you were so disturbed, you had to do take the ultimate step and eat a pretzel at the end of the episode. They call uh, it soft going? pretzel disturbed, Pete. Yeah, soft pretzel disturbed. SPD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's um, – so when you have a shitty leader and, you know, like I, Cliff was like peak Cliff, like – Cliff had a moment in space where he's just looking out. And he's like, what are we all so mad at? Like he, he, he was able to save the day with Dorothy. Like he is team Jane, yet he still got on the rocket ship to help the chief who he hates. Like, and then what happens? He's ejected into space. And I am just so freaking upset because it's this thing of like, oh, Niles Calder's an asshole, but he's also doing this all for his daughter, and like, go fuck yourself. This is way too, you know, far, like, at this point, I want Jane to wake up and burn the whole fucking place to the ground, because like, fuck you, that was just, what the fuck, you can't eject Cliff into space. You just can't do that. (laughs) He saved uh, your daughter, you fucking piece of shit. Like, that's a lot oh, of cursing going on there. I'm I just know Cliff so curses upset. a lot, but uh, just uh, tamp it down. This is a family show, all right? I yeah. never said it was. I, I just um, Let me say, uh, in response to that, I mean, Cliff did turn a quarter in this episode, and in, in high Cliff fashion, he is punished immediately for it. Oh. <laughs> he and I I really liked I I thought that it was a great arc for him. It finally made me back off of my Cliff is the the true villain of this um season. Because he he does. He finally like reckons with his anger and is like, you know, why are we fighting? He takes a look at the earth and the the like weird Tetris moon that they're on. And uh I got and Niles is he does it in a even if he ends up in the future episodes like it's part of a plan to do something. No, you he, can't. He does come back it in a pretty shitty way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I mean, I'll tell you. I know you guys are kind of dancing it around it a bit, a little bit, but I. I know I've been pushing this a lot. I feel like Niles might be the villain of the show. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, my God. Wow. And you've had this theory all along? Because mm-hmm. that, if you, if this is true, oh then you're God. definitely the Niles of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely is. I mean, a lot of what this episode, I think, is driving home is 
any corners that Niles has turned in terms of being a better and more understanding person are thrown literally out of the window here in this episode. Oh, yeah, come on. Cliff, but also the way that he's treating Dorothy, where he's looking at her as a dangerous weapon. He's not actually being a good father to her at all. You touched on this a little bit the last episode, Justin, in terms of him going over the top with fatherhood, but not understanding how to do it. But yeah. I, I he also, does it right at the beginning yeah. of this episode. He's walking in and just being like, Dorothy, let's do it. Like a, he's playing dad as opposed to being a dad. And I think we were like you're saying it's revealed later in the episode that it is an act. Well, and I think what he is doing there is not trying to be a father, actually, but trying to treat her with kid gloves, trying to treat her as a literal child. And a theme that ran very nicely through here that is always a theme of the show, but I think they had it particularly hard this episode, is about growing up. Like, we obviously get that yes. with Dorothy and her conversation with the Candlemaker, where the Candlemaker says, you're growing up, I'm growing up too. But the same thing happens with everybody across the board here, where they're Obviously, some of them are adults, but I think the same way they need to mature. They need to think about these things in a more mature manner. And that's not what Niles is doing. It also drives home the connection between Dorothy and everybody else in Doom Manor that he kept them trapped. He looked at them as weapons as well to keep hidden away from the world. He kept telling them it was for their own good, but it really wasn't at all. Yeah, I mean, the Jane, Jane in particular, I thought it was a big growing up arc where she's reckoning with the death of baby doll and um, the fire lady. Uh, and she like is like, they're, they're going to come back. Very much like a child understanding of death. Like, we don't have to let it go. We don't know how the rules work. We can just like, and everyone else is, no, it's, we have to move on. And I think that's what her arc this season is. She's about to grapple with Miranda taking over as primary. And Jane's going to have to step up and become the one true Jane, I guess, to like not let her become herself become this like force of bad. Well, uh, to delve into it even a little bit further, and I think, uh, like you're saying, it's a little obvious on the surface there, but their whole thing is about protecting the child. It's about protecting Kay. That's Kay, what all of yeah. these personalities And are it for. turns out Kay is kind of a dick as well. Kay is a child. Yeah, well, Kay was like... <laughs> Jane came to uh, Kay was like listen I'm sorry about what happened that was bullshit help me out here how do we can we get can we do anything and then Kay just like looks up from a puzzle and was like that's your job like damn like that's all you can say to somebody they come to you they're crying well they work for her all I mean, the personalities are like sort yeah. of Kay's employees. It's, it's uh, called delegating responsibility. That's oh, what a really good manager does. Oh, Pete. my God. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> uh, the, it just I uh, this this episode dro- drove me insane. Like LT turned into Vin Diesel and all he cares about his family. He doesn't care about Lightman or anything else. <laughs> like yeah. fucking, you know, like what is going on? Like this is just insane. This episode goes off the fucking rails uh, in, in a way that, I mean, the show does do amazing, crazy things. Like, but wh- uh, what the fuck, man? Wait, this is just a to lot try to, to recenter you for a second, Pete. So the title of this episode was Space Patrol, and they went to yeah. space. Was that satisfying? I was excited for that because I was Love like, space. oh my God, we're going to space. This is crazy. What a crazy show. Space, no problem. But then all of a sudden. Space, no problem. <laughs> That's NASA's phrase. That should be NASA's slogan. Space, no problem. 
<laughs> but then all of a sudden, like, as soon as Niles got on the ship very casually and then the goat had to turn around, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Mm, He's the like, goat. oh, interesting. Like, what the fuck? How does a goat had power a fucking spaceship? All right. The show Evil. is weird. Like, that, that's a, that's an evil goat right there. Yeah, goats will eat anything. That's a, actually a great idea because you can give them anything as fuel for a spaceship. So that's really right. a goat engine is the most efficient uh, form of transportation we have. A lot of the early space missions, you can see this in watching Apollo 13, they would just run a big string of tin cans up into space and the goats would just eat up at Pac-Man style. Wow. All right. So seriously, though, how does uh, a thing turning around and then a goat head being there just explain like, oh, yeah, we can go to space now in the show? Like, Well, the, Niall says he had to turn. Science hasn't hadn't wasn't ready to go to space so he had to turn to some dark magic which is what he does and i think that is big going back to our first conversation here about niles he reveals himself here he is play acting as this team leader as this father but really he's the same guy that was just doing whatever it takes to live forever so he can see his daughter grow up or whatever his next thing is he has these sort of sociopathic tendencies where he's just going to do whatever he needs to do to get by and he doesn't care about the consequences until later when he's like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry for what i did well, and I think the other aspect of it, getting back to this childhood thing, is everything in this episode, the way that it treated space, was incredibly like playing with toys. From the, yeah. I guess they're not cosmonauts, but the two guys saying their names over and over again mm-hmm. and playing grab ass the entire time and running back and what? forth. And they are the pioneers of the Uncharted, a clear right. challengers of the unknown reference, uh, which is cool. Yes. Classic comic book. But right. you had them, the way that the spaceship comes down, just kind of lands on the yard, was very cartoony. Then the whole thing with the goat head and the explanation there, same sort of <laughs> there thing. There was no like explanation. It well, was it's just ludicrous. It's head. absolutely ludicrous, but it's like, yeah, I have a spaceship in the garage. Let's take my spaceship. And we'll, it's powered by a goat head. We'll go up to space. And it's the moon, but you can talk there. Don't worry about it. All of that stuff felt like play acting. Like, I don't think there's necessarily an explanation in canon for it necessarily coming. But at the same time, it all made sense with the theme of the episode. I I also – what were you going to say, Justin? I was just going to say when I was watching this episode and I was like, let's see. Jane takes an L this episode. Cliff, Mm -hmm. huge L this episode. I was like, Pete's – not gonna like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is a this is a two pretzel episode right here. Exactly. Uh, I did want to call out a couple of lines around that scene in the garage, though, because that was so much fun. Oh, just when they go into space, uh, Cliff saying you had a fucking spaceship in the garage the whole time. Yeah, very funny. The very offhand comment when they're about to go into space, and he says, 30 years later, you couldn't invent me a working hand." That also yeah. very funny. All fun. And uh, the uh, last comment, as they're blasting off, where he says, of course, I'm fucking going into space. <laughs> yeah. I like uh, I like this episode because I like Cliff's attitude here. I thought yeah. it was really good and fun to see. I was having the best time with Cliff. I was like, this is the episode of Cliff. This new Cliff moving forward is going to be unbelievable. And then they just took him off the board and... It, my, all my hopes and dreams came crushing down. Like, I was going to make bracelets. Like, what would Cliff do? Like, I was really, like, you know. Mm. But then you're like, he's gone in space. So yeah. Forget, yeah. forget that. Yeah. Forget the, the merch. I, now I hope Cliff comes crashing down from space and then uh, beats the fucking chief into a bloody pulp. Mm. Hmm. I uh, well, think Cliff's going to be back. I'll just throw that out there. I mean, you I don't know. We'll see what I, mm. 
I mean, I've watched that, but I don't know. Oh. I guess we'll see what happens. Nice. Uh, but Spoiler. regardless, I think like you don't eject one of the main characters into space. <laughs> They're just not coming back. Especially we'll when, like, like we're talking about, he just had this great redemptive moment. He had a great conversation heart to heart with Dorothy. Um, they're at the the only yeah. guy who could have got Dorothy to come down off the moon or the yeah. well, close I don't, to it was moon, surprising to me. This moon. is the one thing that felt a little creaky to me in the episode is the idea that Niles was like, "No, Cliff, you have to do it." Given that Cliff oh. has been like, fuck you, Dorothy, for five episodes so far at this point. So why do you think he specifically needed Cliff? Why did he specifically call on Because he's a robot that can walk around in space. That's why he needed Cliff. I think that's right. And I think he probably needed time to figure out whatever his next scheme is. He and Dorothy just rocketing off by themselves so that she doesn't destroy the Earth. Or he's going to go drop her off somewhere. Who, who knows? But I do think Cliff rose to the occasion. They're at the yoked jackalopes, yoked grave. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Dorothy being like, it's the last piece of my mom. And then just they sort of have a conversation. You just cut to the shadow of the two and then walking across the moonscape. Super sweet. And to your point, yeah. Alex, very storybook, very like end of, uh, end of a bedtime story. Yeah. Very little prince. But then it's yeah. just a fucking Petite nightmare. Prince. And I, I really read it in the um, the native French, Alex. I don't know. Native French. Yeah. The original French. <laughs> yes. In, wait, what is it called? Actually in French? You would know this because you read it that way all the time. What's yes, the uh, Le Petit French? Prince. I don't think that's it. Uh, Le Petit Prince. Uh, oh, it's okay. uh, for French and for who, What's the name of the author without looking it up real quick? Saint-Exupéry. Okay. Jean-Paul Saint-Exupéry or something like that. Okay. Right. Something like that. Something French, I guess we'll find out. So yeah, is the there... Cliff stuff is great. I agree with you. Antoine the... de Saint-Exupéry. Ah, there we go. Ah, oui, oui. The, like we were talking about, all the stuff with, with Cliff was great. All the conversations were great. I loved, we touched on this earlier, but just him... Really actually getting literal perspective on it and seeing the earth and he has a line, wow, what are we all so angry about? Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, it's good. It works for Cliff. Works really nicely. And unfortunately, rip Cliff, he's dead now. But also that's what the light beam was, uh, the, you know, the Russian Negative light spirit. beam. Yeah. The, uh, the Moscow one was saying was that she, she was saying that, like, sometimes you just need perspective. I recommend space because it is like, you know, you're out there, you're floating around, you're looking at a little ball and it doesn't, you know, problems don't seem so big. But it's just one of those things where Cliff got to kind of have that perspective change and really kind of had that moment of like, you know, letting go of his anger. Uh, and it was really powerful moment. And all for nothing because now he's going to come back angrier than ever. I mean, holy shit. You're yeah. everybody's in trouble. Well, I like what you're saying about the, uh, the cosmonaut because a lot of my breakups were, I just need some space. And I think a lot of my exes ended up journeying. I, I believe I'm taking them at their word. I think they yeah. headed up to space. I had a question for you guys. Since it seems like the cosmonaut went on very similar adventures to the Doom Patrol, and at the beginning of Doom Patrol they had a donkey, do you think the cosmonaut had a Moscow mule? Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> My God. A lot of hard lifting for that fucking dad joke at the end, bro. <laughs> Alex, oh, 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 all right, I Alex, that's how Alex is getting Whoa. yoked, is lifting the uh, material to get to that. To Let's talk and about I was, the big, yeah. Real quick, I was with you, Alex, except you mispronounced the word donkey. 
<laughs> the donkey does it. get a shout out in this episode, uh, you know, from the play. Yeah. Uh, now I'm wondering what they call Shrek in Russia, but I guess we can find that out. You, you talk, I don't think ahead. they allow that movie in other countries. Mm. Interesting. What's the Shrek the, in Russian? The oh, farting. Boy. They don't really appreciate all the, the farting. Mm. All right, why don't we go over it's and talk about Vic then? I don't know how to pronounce that, but it looks like Wipek. Cool. Yeah, that's it's cool. good. Fun fun next time, next time you're in um, in Russia, you can hop over and Wipek. Make... <laughs> I think it's pronounced Wipek too. Please, uh, should we talk about um, Rita's? Uh, well, I, I think we can still talk a little bit about. We pretty much skipped past the Larry stuff, like we touched yes, on it a okay, little bit. There. But while we're there, I, I really like this plot line as well. I thought it was a big surprise having another negative spirit come down. I like the fact that it didn't really drive Larry into a rage, but made him reflect more like a lot of the other characters in this episode where he realized he's been doing it wrong, but she is nice enough and balanced enough that she's able to coach him to this place where he realizes what he actually needs. Needs. I mean, there is a point where Alti goes, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm kind of a pill. I apologize. You know what I mean? Like he kind of apologizes for his mopey attitude, but then later is just like, listen, but my son killed himself and it's tearing me apart inside. So like, get out of here with all your enlightened talk, you know? Well, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. Like the thing holding Larry back is his self-hatred and his inability to sort of like just be where he is. He's always looking back and has so many regrets. And the moment when she's like, yeah, got it. Five years in space. Got it. Sort of figured out the whole negative spirit thing. He's, he's like five years. You uh, figured this out in five years. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's like if you are putting together some IKEA furniture and you're like, oh, you're done. I'm just getting the screws out of the back. Oh, you're done. You're just all done. Oh well, that's a beautiful bookshelf. I guess I'll just throw mine away. Well, not to poke the bear again, but I am curious, Pete. Uh, I thought the conclusion that he needs to go back to his family and really actually settle things versus just running away was a good one and a positive one. It sounds though the you didn't like that. Well, no, because he's, he was like, first off, let me address what you said. Yes, I agree. That is a good choice for him to be like, my family is really torn apart and me not being there has kill, killed them. And then this whole thing was awful. Maybe there's something I could do. I mean, that's a great position for him to be in. But the way he was just kind of like, I'm angry. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to listen to all this stuff that is about me and my life being coming together and being one so we can kind of move better, you know, throughout the world. And he was just like, I got to, there's a way to be like, hey, thank you. That is smart. And I want to get there someday. First, I kind of got to deal with some family stuff. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. would have been a great way to do it. But the way he was like, no, my family, I'm Vin Diesel now. And that's all that matters to me is my fucking family. So go fuck yourself in your, you know, enlightenment. It's hard to tell if you like Vin Diesel here or you don't. <laughs> that's Vin Diesel is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about oh, his oh, you're lack of growth. <laughs> Just Answer so you know, you're question. screaming his name if you're not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, him. but you that's are. just it's... which side are you on? Are you on the Vin Diesel side or the Rock side of this <laughs> feud, Pete? Uh oh, this um, could tear Pete apart. Uh oh, yeah. open some more pretzels. You got a big question on your <laughs> no, hands, Pete. 
I'm going to have to eat some more soft pretzel. Grumble, grumble, Pete. Uh, I mean, I, I sort of have issue with Larry's choice here for a different reason. It feels like... Like, if he still feels pain about his family, then yes, he has to go deal with it. But I think the family he needs to fix is the Doom Patrol. He needs to get them all together so because they are the people that take care of each other. Hmm. His family, he, he feels guilt toward them, but it's pretty clear the anger that his family has is off the charts. They almost got him captured uh, by the government. So it's like. So you're saying that he shouldn't be concentrating on the family he has, like how Vin Diesel focuses on John Cena's character in the last Fast and the Furious movie, mm-hmm. his actual family, his actual brother, and instead he should focus on the family he's found, the Doom Patrol, like Vin Diesel does with his family, mostly in the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, I guess I'm more of a late period Fast Furious guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Well, that's the wrong choice. Uh, Why don't we talk about Rita, as you mentioned earlier, because she has this fun plot ride happening with the local play. You want to talk about someone who's evolved like Rita held it together the whole time. It's like she's that sat through that awful play about them where they were taking shots at her the whole time. Didn't lose her face once, even like confronted that awful understudy. Still held it together. I mean, you want to talk about growth as a character. Character Rita is killing it. Uh, this was such a fun little subplot. I hope we get to see this play at some point this season. Uh, I loved that she gets totally just like dragged by this young actress, full psych breakdown. Mm-hmm. And then her line at the end, well, I found my nemesis. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, just great. And then there's the jokes of um, what, like what we talk about when we talk about the donkey that like very much poking fun at like the theater world, which I think, as you know, I'm a classically trained actor. So that's very much in my oh boy. Oh uh, boy. one of my absolute Bruh. favorite, a terrible thing to bring up here. But I thought it was a perfect reference. Uh, the director very casually mentioning thinking about it as our Laramie project, which yes. is something like don't no, 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 yeah. don't do that. But very, very fun. And I also just love the reversal joke there of like. You expect this ditzy actress to come up to Rita and be like, oh, I don't know, she's like a crazy blob. And then, like you mentioned, she wrecks Rita, like gets yeah, her yes. directly to the core, says out loud everything that's been going on in the background for the past couple of episodes. So funny, so fun. And that's what happens when you as an actor really do the homework. You know, really put the time in to do the uh, to do the research. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I do. I don't know if you remember. I did this intro about the Brisbane death metal scene, and mm, I really see? and that's doing the very heavily into that. So same sort of and thing. And Pete, you were you were in a community theater production of Whipek, right? You played Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, and it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we didn't touch on Cyborg that much, so why don't we jump over to him yeah, and what's going on with him. Mostly he's in bed with Roddy this episode, just having a nice time scanning each other and stuff. And uh, Been there. Po- yeah, good times, good the times. The old, hey, let me see inside of you. Now, Smooth, Vic, real smooth. Justin, I believe you mentioned last episode that you were starting to get a little suspicious of Ronnie. How do you feel about her this episode? More suspicious. Um, it feels like, and I don't want to be like some sort of doubter when it comes to um, a, a romance or a love, if that's what what they want to call it. Um, but I don't know. It feels to me like she's playing him and is trying to get to the bottom because she's like she said, she's dying, so she's up against it. And maybe she did the research and she's like, 
this guy's a vulner, a way I can get access to the people that made the parts that are killing me. I need to do this. Also, like getting yourself hugely in debt and then thinking that when you're dead, it just goes away is so, you know, that goes to other family members. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, that's not smart way to go about things. Well, I will say on that front, first of all, it seems like she doesn't really have any family members. It's just her. So that's not necessarily a worry on her part. But I also liked it. It seemed like in the middle of an otherwise very goofy episode, a pretty earnest discussion of healthcare and the immense yeah. costs that are going to hit through the lens, obviously, of super heroics and cyborg implants and all of these other things. But yeah, I know you're right, Pete. But at the same time, I did like that injection of realism there. And I think ultimately, like what we've talked about with Ronnie, whatever her ultimate goal is, that's what she's bringing to Cyborg is he's been on this, I'm going to be a superhero. I'm going to be in the JLA. And first ep- first season was a lot about making him confront the fact that he's suppressed the fact that he feels a little bit like a monster inside and coming to grips mm-hmm. with that. This one is making him come to the grips with the fact that the world is not black and white. I know we've talked around yeah. that a lot, but I think it's the same thing with the healthcare discussion where he's like, oh, that's cool. We'll solve it. And she's like, no, I do not have a rich scientist father with mm-hmm. war contracts and army contracts and things. I can't fix this. This is I'm screwed for the rest of my life. And then he, they go to Silas, and he's like, cool that you have a girlfriend, nice, but otherwise not interested. Well, it was adorable. That's the first time we saw the dad. Well, not the first time, but uh, the dad was really happy for the son. I mean, he was just like, what? This is for a girl? Like, it was a little different side than the mean dad who's always just saying no to him. So I'm glad we got a little kind of like father-son connection moment there. So it's not always like my evil dad who shoots down all my plans. Um, You know, I mean, but yeah, I I think that I like forward movement with their relationship. I think it's a good kind of uh, way for Vic to kind of explore different ideas and see how other people live. So I think it's great for the character. And I mean, just to touch on what you just said, Pete, I agree with you about Silas. I do think if he keeps showing up, we need to see some other sort of scene with him because it is a lot of them being like, Hey, can you help out? And be like, well, nope, nope. And that's it. So uh, next time we see him, I want to see him contribute in some way or push the plot forward in some way instead of just being this hurdle that they need to get over. Yeah, he has real boners to bone energy. You know well, I think it about, seems right? like you guys are just I, I being over boners to bone. Pete, no. boners to bone. Uh, are you being serious right now? Uh, growing pains. The neighbor boner yes. comes over. Uh-huh. That's what energy uh, Silas has. He just pops over, doesn't help, and then leaves. I didn't know that was a saying. So uh, that was uh, not a saying. But I, <laughs> did they say this on Growing Pains? That yeah. was his name. Was Boner? Yeah, but did they say yeah. Boner? Boners to Bones? Boner Stabone was his name. Oh, Stabone is his last. Oh, you were saying Boner Stabone? I oh. thought you were saying Boners to Bone. I thought you were yeah. saying Boners to like bone. Boners Bone. Like, yeah. in, uh, oh man, wow. That was a real emotional roller coaster we went out there. (laughs) What a good discussion about this. Boner's got a bone. (laughs) 
Right. I just think you guys are upset because like mostly a dad's job is just to be like, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, a lot. <laughs> I got of, bad news you, for you, Pete. It's <laughs> not what the job is. It's not what the job is. You're like, hey, listen, kid, that's a horrible idea. Put that knife down. Like you did your job. You're a dad. You were like, nope, that's not <laughs> you know, good. Man, I feel like you have to work harder as a dad to your cat than that, Pete. So <laughs> way do you. <laughs> Any other moments from the episode that you guys want to talk about? Well, I do think we've sort of talked a little bit about Jane, but uh, Mm. um, we get a lot of like uh, sort of intense scenes here uh, with Jane really sort of facing sort of who she is and who she's becoming. We get a very like CW progression where all the the characters are walking to the well at the end to some like really intense Evanescence-esque pop music. Um, And then they meet Miranda – and it feels like Miranda's trying to like get more people in the well so that she can. Yeah, that's that a horrible idea. There. Like just trusting the well lady. Has no one seen a horror movie? Like you never trust somebody who just is fresh out of a well. You got to let of, that sit a little bit to see what per- that turns into before you started uh, uh, trusting a well person. Interesting take. <laughs> what have you taken out of a well that later you were like, oh, good. It is good. <laughs> You're right. So nothing good ever comes out of a well. I'm surprised you say that. Except for water, well, Pete. Uh, water well, is good. Your well water was here's not good question. enough. You're losing yeah, here's teeth my question like crazy. about well water, because I've never yeah. actually used a well to get water. Isn't that water like probably kind of gross? Like yeah, there's monsters in there. Uh, I wasn't well, going to go that far. Water doesn't get super moldy. I mean, the, an open air well where stuff goes in, but I got bad news for you. A lot of water comes from the ground. And touches dirt. It's yeah, not like water, it just comes the out. The water comes from bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I have horrible news for you. I, okay. As I've said on this spot, because I grew up on well water, but yeah. it wasn't me going and getting a bucket and That's pouring it, it into the like. bathtub. That's what well, it no. seems like. No. I, I was, I was all across across Did you have to get one of those kind of like bars that go all the way across and they had two buckets on each side so you could carry yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, that's where Saint Exuberia used to sit down and have a nice Eviana every morning. Uh, he would talk a baguette with butter, cheese, ham, I, jambon. Fromage. I do think it was very like Cochon. I was. I was very Big happy. Cordichon. Cordichon. I was very happy that Jane was like, "Hey guys, we can't just go and throw in bodies down the well. That doesn't seem like a good idea." Poison then, the water. But uh, Miranda just shows up and then everybody's cool with it because, like, they voted one time. And how come Jane didn't get to be in on on the vote? That's cold, man. That's why it's important to vote. Maybe she wasn't registered. Oh, that's a great point. Jane is clearly on the outs with everybody. I think that's the reason they don't care about any of her opinions. But I'll tell you what. I think – I know you shot this down earlier, Justin, but I think she's kind of right. Like, they don't know the rules of this. They don't know that these people might come back. Like, that was my immediate thought when Baby Doll died is she's kind of a thought construct, right? So there's no reason that you can't bring her back in some way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I honestly don't remember how this goes, this particular plot line. So... I do mm. wonder if they are able to bring them back in some way or if these personalities are permanently gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it, the way they've introduced it, it feels like they'll, there'll be something to that. And I think we're actually going to get not nice versions of Baby Doll and Fire Lady who will be on Miranda's side is my prediction. Ooh. Because yes. once they've gone in the well, you're on the w- team well. All right. You're team well, exactly. Team well water. Team well water. That's my team. A uh, couple other things in the episode. Um, Cliff bringing the finger and then putting in the freezer. Yeah, and he's like, just, hang tight. Hang tight, little guy. 
That was I just, don't know if that's how making a finger attach works, but sure. It's hilarious. I feel like that's definitely going to come back later at some point, right? Yes. Yeah. We had a whole episode called Finger Patrol. Um, yeah. I love the whole, like, the super sci-fi thing of spores that got rid of, that killed the other two um, challengers of the unknown dude yeah. dudes. And I love when they're burying them. She's like, <laughs> oh, and don't eat the fruit trees that grow here. It's yeah. full of dead body spores. <laughs> um, that- they were adorable, though, as they were being uh, buried alive. And, I mean, as much as it w- Dorothy feels like, you know, she maybe has done her damage, the Candlemaker conversation she has with him in a classic The Footprints on the Beach situation, which oh, I know, man. something we all talk about. Oh, he's, yeah. he, she mentions, you know, a lot more words now. You're, mm-hmm. It seems like gaining in power. And I think um, is the Candlemaker will end up being the villain of the season. I yeah. think. Yeah. Two other uh, cliff. Oh, go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, I really like the LT Rita moment where LT is like, so community theater, huh? She's like, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know, if doing for the love, I thought that was great. You know, yeah. LT, will, it seemed like maybe was going to take a couple of jabs at it, but was pretty cool about it. I really liked her line back. They're very well reviewed in the Cloverton Bugle. Yeah. I love just this very back wow, background way they're fleshing out the town of Cloverton. Like, it's it's not much. It's just little details, but it's very fun every time they mention it because it's a silly name for town. Uh, two Cliff lines I wanted to mention that happened pretty close in a row. When Cliff, at the beginning of the episode, is looking for Dorothy and Baby Doll, calling out any pigtailed pains of the asses down here. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Uh, and then he decides discovers Jade, brings it up, Niles explains everything that's going on, and then they hear a sound outside. And as Niles is running outside, Cliff says, is it Dorothy playing dress up with Rita's skin? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Banger Cliff episode. R.I.P. Wish we could have him back, but he's oh, gone. I, oh, this is, it's, I, rest in peace, Cliff, the greatest character on the, on the show. I mean, oh, Cliff was a, right. Cliff was right. About what, specifically? About the chief, (laughs) about everything, you know? Great. Uh, This is a good transition to talk about who is most doomed this episode. Pete, I'll kick Mm -hmm. it over to you. I feel like there's an off. Cliff is most doomed. He got launched into space. But I tell you, if he comes back, do you know who's most doomed? Fucking chief, man. You're going down, chief. I can't wait to see your end. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason I'm watching now is to fucking see you die. Niles revealing himself as truly not willing to move past mistakes that he's made and just continuing to make them in the same vein, I think means that he is eventually going to be doomed. Well, you think about it. If we kill Niles, all the problems are gone. I mean, it's basically like (laughs) the the Doom Patrol. Are you on the Doom Patrol in your mind? (laughs) No, the three of us. The three of us kill Niles. And I'll tell you what, there's no evidence that can be traced back to us. No audio evidence. No. Well, Pete, last season you were like, we have to kill Niles, and we ran that mission and killed the fictional character Niles Crane from Frasier, and Uh, everyone's mad at us about that. So let's at least get the mission right this time. Okay. I'm just saying, uh, you know, then we can just, everybody can be cool with Dorothy and it'll be fun. I agree with both of your guys' answers, but just to throw out a third one, I'm going to say Dorothy is in a pretty bad place at the end of this episode. I think she is going to be okay because, like you mentioned, she has the overpowered candle maker at her beck and call. But there's this one moment towards the end where Niles makes Dorothy promise she'll never make a wish again. Cliff says, oh, Christ, that's sad, which it really is just the idea of like... 
never hope or dream for anything ever again in your life. And whatever Niles is going to do with Dorothy, it almost feels like some sort of final solution to take care of her, to end her for good, um, for the better of humanity. So we'll have to see how it turns out. But uh, my point being, she's not in a great place here. Yeah. And that is it. If you would like support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And before we go, a piece of advice for Pete LePage. Uh, apparently, you can't trust anybody. Because the chief's just gonna <laughs> yeah. fucking kick you out of the fucking spaceship after you say this is a this is a piece of advice you're yeah. giving people. Don't Sorry, trust my the therapist. Chief. <laughs> my therapist says some pretty intense things. Don't trust anybody. Uh, great lesson, Pete. I gotta go because Boner's got a bone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about Boner Saint the Bone. Boner, Boner Saint, Saint Bone. bone. <laughs> <laughs> that was the guy who did the Russian voice in Whipback. Whipback.